Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Friday, December 29th. Today, we delve into the story of a former Hong Kong student leader seeking asylum in the UK and China's new political reality in Taiwan with no allies. Plus, we'll discuss the deepening risks of US electoral chaos after Trump is barred from another state ballot and we'll debunk common misconceptions about immigration. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. In a recent development, Tony Chung, a former student leader from Hong Kong, has sought asylum in the United Kingdom, citing his life in Hong Kong as being filled with fear. Abby, can you provide some context to this situation? Certainly, Michael. Tony Chung was the leader of a pro-independence group in Hong Kong. He was sentenced to three and a half years in prison in 2021 under the territory's national security law. He was released in June 2023, but he says he lived under constant pressure from authorities. Chung flew to the UK from Japan and arrived in London on December 27th, where he formally applied for political asylum. Abby, could you explain a bit more about this national security law and why it's causing such concern? The national security law was imposed by Beijing on Hong Kong in mid-2020, following pro-democracy protests in the territory. The law punishes activities seen as subversion, secession, collusion with foreign forces, and extremism with up to life in prison. It has led to hundreds of arrests and has driven many, including politicians, activists, and journalists, into exile. Chung's case is a prime example of the impact of this law. What was Chung's life like after his release from prison? Chung was required to report regularly to the authorities after his release. He says that national security police officers coerced him to provide details of his interactions and even offered him money to inform on others. He was also prevented from seeking help from a lawyer due to a confidentiality clause. This sounds like a very difficult situation. How did Chung manage to leave Hong Kong and seek asylum in the UK? Chung was able to persuade the prison service to allow him to travel overseas for Christmas. He submitted flight tickets to Okinawa and other necessary information to secure the permissions. Once in Japan, he sought advice from people and organizations in the US, UK, and Canada, and decided to travel to Britain. What is the UK's stance on this issue, and what does this mean for Chung's future? The UK has been quite supportive of Hong Kong activists. Several prominent activists and politicians have secured asylum in London since the crackdown. The UK has also given all Hong Kong people with British national overseas status the right to settle and a path to citizenship. UK Security Minister Tom Tugendhat has welcomed Chung to London. Chung plans to continue his studies and remains committed to democracy. This is certainly a significant development in the ongoing situation in Hong Kong. And speaking of significant shifts, a fascinating one is taking place in Taiwan, where the island's ruling party, the Democratic Progressive Party, is redefining its identity. Abby, our Asia correspondent, is here to discuss this development. Abby, can you explain what's happening? Absolutely, Michael. The Democratic Progressive Party has been in power in Taiwan for the past eight years. During this time, they've been working to establish an identity for Taiwan that is separate from mainland China. This is a significant shift as historically, Taiwan's identity has been closely tied to China. Interesting, and what sparked this change? There are several factors at play. One of the key drivers is the growing sense of a distinct Taiwanese identity, especially among the younger generation. Many of them feel more connected to Taiwan than to China. This shift is also a response to China's increasing assertiveness in the region. By carving out a separate identity, 
Taiwan is asserting its sovereignty and pushing back against China's influence. How is this shift being received in Beijing? Not surprisingly, this move is causing unease among Communist Party leaders in Beijing. China considers Taiwan to be a part of its territory and has not ruled out the use of force to bring the island under its control. This shift in Taiwan's identity is seen as a challenge to China's claim. This certainly seems like a significant development. What might this mean for the future of Taiwan and its relationship with China? It's hard to say for certain, Michael. This shift could potentially lead to increased tensions between Taiwan and China. On the other hand, it could also strengthen Taiwan's position internationally as it asserts its distinct identity. It's a complex situation and we'll have to see how it unfolds. Indeed, a complex and evolving situation in Taiwan. And speaking of complex situations, in a move that's causing waves in the political world, Maine has become the second state to remove former President Donald Trump from the 2024 election ballot over the January 6, 2021 U.S. Capitol riot. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to discuss this further. Abby, what can you tell us about this decision? Michael, this is indeed a significant development. Maine Secretary of State Shenna Bellows, a Democrat, has made this decision following a similar move by the Colorado Supreme Court. It's based on the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban, and it's causing a lot of controversy and uncertainty, especially with key ballot deadlines looming. Can you explain a bit more about this insurrectionist ban and how it's being applied here? Certainly. The 14th Amendment, adopted after the Civil War, includes a clause that disqualifies people from holding office if they've engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the U.S. It's this clause that's being invoked to argue that Trump, due to his role in the Capitol riot, should be disqualified from running for office again. This is the first time this clause has been used in this way, and it's causing a lot of debate about its interpretation and application. What's been the response from the Trump team? Trump's team has strongly criticized the decision, calling it an attempted theft of an election and a disenfranchisement of the American voter. They argue that Democrats are recklessly and unconstitutionally removing Trump's name from the ballot. They intend to file an appeal in state court. This is not the only controversy surrounding the 2024 election. Can you tell us about the situation with Nikki Haley? Yes, Nikki Haley, Trump's potential rival in New Hampshire, is facing her own controversy. She's been criticized for failing to clearly state that slavery was the cause of the Civil War. This has led to accusations that she's equivocating about historical truths for political gain. Her rivals, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, have seized on this to question her readiness for the presidential race. It seems like the 2024 election is already shaping up to be quite contentious. And speaking of contentious issues, we're living in a time where images of mass migration dominate the news cycle, leading to a perception of a migration crisis. However, the reality may be different. Abby, our resident expert, is here to delve into this topic. Abby, what's the reality of global migration? Thanks, Michael. Despite the popular narrative, there's no scientific evidence to suggest that global migration is accelerating. International migrants account for about 3% of the world population, a figure that has remained stable over the past half a century. Even refugee migration is more limited than political rhetoric and media images suggest. That's interesting. So what about the causes of migration? Is it primarily driven by poverty and violence in origin countries as commonly believed? Actually, evidence shows that migration rises as poor countries become richer. This is because increasing levels of income and education, alongside infrastructure improvements, 
raise people's capabilities and aspirations to migrate. Migration is generally an investment in the long-term well-being of families and requires significant resources. Poverty actually deprives people of the resources required to move over long distances. So it's not a desperate flight from misery as often portrayed. What about the assumption that climate breakdown will trigger mass movements of climate refugees? Research on the effects of droughts and flooding shows that most people will stay close to home. The most vulnerable people are most likely to get trapped, unable to move out at all. It's also worth noting that most migrants come from middle-income countries, such as India and Mexico. What about the increase in legal immigration to the U.S., Britain, and Western Europe over the past decades? What's driving this trend? The main driver of growing immigration to Western countries since the 1990s has been persistent labor demand. More widespread education, women's emancipation, and population aging have led to labor shortages fueling a growing demand for migrant workers in sectors such as agriculture, construction, cleaning, hospitality, transport, and food processing. So it's not just about border control, but also about labor demand. What's the way forward then? To break away from this legacy of failed policies, politicians need to gather the courage to tell an honest story about migration. We cannot divorce debates about immigration from broader debates about inequality, labor, social justice, and the kind of society we want to live in. It's about making fundamental choices. Certainly, a more nuanced conversation is needed around migration. Thanks for your insights, Abby. All right, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.